It's the Theonauts, episode 113. The one where we get washed by that water. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theodivas! You've been down too long in the midnight sea. <laughs> oh, what's becoming of me? I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Ward. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Hey, David. What is up, brother? Not much, man. We just uh, had All Saints Day today. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yesterday was All Hallows Eve. Or rep- <laughs> <laughs> yes, something like that. <laughs> 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 or Reformation Day, yes. whichever you want to ad- identify with. Yeah, and as to celebrate Reformation Day, yes, I got uh, some iOS stickers I designed. Yes, you did up into the App Store. Yeah, go check those out, man. Yeah. Uh, you got some John Calvin making some silly faces and some, <laughs> and Martin, some Martin Luther. Luther. Yeah, and making I, some googly eyes. Yeah, I got some more uh, planned. I've got uh, a Spurgeon one. Nice. That I'm working on. You should do a Tyndale. I'm, yeah, I got Tyndale. One where he's like on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Wycliffe. Yeah. I was Wycliffe. trying to figure out how to deal with the whole. Oh, it was Wycliffe that got on fire. Not well, that's the one they burned his bones. Yeah, like they sure. dug his bones yeah. up and burned them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've even like, I, I pulled down several. I mean, even if we want to go that far, I mean, I, I can do Wesley and. Yes. Wesley. Awesome. <laughs> and oh, Alexander Campbell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've even got a <laughs> headshot of that guy. Why so, not? yeah, we could just, why not? Just... Who's the guy that made the Pilgrim's Progress? What's his? Uh, oh, Bunyan. Bunyan. Yeah, you should do Bunyan. Yeah. yeah. Some of these guys, though, are, they're just not I mean... real recognizable. No, but to us Theo nerds, they are. Well, I mean, they're like their their picture isn't like for example, Augustine and even Saint Francis of Assisi. I thought about doing those guys, but the thing is, they're so old, like they're so far back in history that there's no like real accurate portraits of uh, them. That's true. And, like every picture you see of them is slightly different, right? And the one and they're all like uh, that really flat, which yeah. I guess would still be kind of cool, right? <laughs> They're not like portraits, right? Like we have of all the other guys, but so anyway, that, that's fun. So if you guys have iPhone and you're, you've got uh, iOS ten, I don't know if you've played around with the sticker features, but they're really fun. And uh, and so the just go into the stickers and and go to the the iMessage store, right? And look for basically. Uh, theology, Calvin, Luther, whatever, and they should pop up. Yeah. So, good idea. Yeah. Anyway, that was fun. What have you been up to? Oh, not much to school, man. <clears throat> and uh, I took uh, little Blakely over to the bird's nest last night. Yes, we for and, uh, that little Halloween thing we did here. That's right. And we handed out some candy, and that was fun. She was a pumpkin, and so she enjoyed <laughs> her first uh, Halloween. And then on Thursday, we officially adopt Miss Blakely. Woohoo! So she will finally be an or officially. So yeah. We're excited about that. 
That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm definitely going to be there for that thing. That's a good thing. Awesome. Anyways, you you about to it's get woke a lot up, of man. stuff. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. I just yawned in the microphone, which is normal. <laughs> I'm waking it up. I'm waking it up. Yeah. I need another cup of coffee, but uh, <laughs> I'm raring to go and hear about uh, this this whole uh, last session in yeah. salvation. The yeah. good news, right? Yeah, are we ready to jump on into that? Let's do it, man. <clears throat> Lay it on me, David. <laughs> well, why don't we recap where okay. we've been? So we, this is the fourth in our little series on the good news. Right. And so uh, w- what were the first two about, Jeremiah? Well, the first week we had bad news. Yeah. Bad news bears, uh, which basically... You're all going to hell. That's right. Original sin. Uh, yeah. The idea that, that we are all doomed. We're born dead in our transgressions. Then the second week, we had the good news of the gospel, plain and simple. Jesus was nothing. It was everything. It's all about faith in Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. He became our uh, substitute, the propitiation of our sins. So we discussed that. And then what did we do the third week, David? Third week, we talked about how that changes us. And if it doesn't change you, something's not right. Right, exactly. You, <laughs> you either if, if you don't have it, you don't have it. You're not changing. So, so that's a, a, a way to know if you're in Him is have you been changed? And right. And uh, we talk about uh, you know basically all boiled down to if you're in Him, if you abide in Him, you're part of the the He is the vine. We are the branches. You're part of that, and we then bear fruit. Exactly. So there's evidence of our salvation. Yeah, like uh, smoke <clears throat> is the evidence of a fire, our works are the evidence of our salvation. Correct. And so, which is, by the way, the definition of everything James was trying to say in exactly. James chapter 2. He's not arguing against no. salvation Luther, by you faith. you silly man. <laughs> he's, he's defining it for you. And, right. And, and, well, it's actually, it's all about regeneration. That's right. So Okay, so this time... Well, we're gonna we're gonna put an end cap on this thing. We're gonna talk about immersion. Bum bum bum. That's <laughs> a big, heady theological thought right there. Man. Yeah, and so uh, this study, and you know, we did this series at the way, mm-hmm. and man, I was super nervous about this one too because there's so many ways you can misstep and get somebody all up in arms, yeah. right? Because the whole thing, it, it, this whole thing about baptism is a is a powder keg. It's like one of the things that I really find interesting about it is it's this thing that is supposed to be a unifying thing mm-hmm. because it makes it's it's our introduction to the body, right? Right. So we become part of this body whenever this happens. But what in the world is it? It's doing right the opposite. Exactly. We're fighting over baptism. Who can who can do it? Uh, at what point should you ha- do it? Um, does salvation occur before, in the middle, or after it? <laughs> I mean, there's all these debates that that surround baptism, right? And so it's been a divisive thing because everyone has their own little spin, the, their own little take on it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, <clears throat> so what we're not going to do is is side up on any of those, right? Because to me, the problem. That we've encountered as a uh, as Christianity, a problem we have 
is because we have stood so firm on one side or the other of all these arguments that we've allowed this issue to, to divide us. Right. Uh, one group will say that, that baptism does a certain thing, and another group will hear that and go, oh, that's salvation by works. And then <laughs> another group will say, well, no, baptism does this. And another group says, oh, you're saying that we can just, it's optional. We don't even have to do it. And no one's really saying any uh, uh, of those things. Right. But that's what we read into the answers, because th- there's no good answer for the for these debatable questions. Right. And so we should just stop asking those questions. It's like, you know, as we've said on the show before, it's like asking, when did when did Kevin become my son? <laughs> and fighting about that. It would be like me and Melanie fighting and and divorcing over the fact that I say Kevin became my son whenever he was conceived, and she says, no, it was whenever he was born. <laughs> and it's like that silliness. Why are we doing this? He's our son. And let's leave it at that. Let's treat him like a son, and right. and and so, th- so to me, that's that's part of what we're not going to talk about in here. But what we are going to talk about is the power of Amen. immersion and and why uh, it's a big thing. I, I started the study by uh, quoting David Pratt because I think he worded this really, uh, really well in places. Um, and so if you disagree with any of this that, that he says, well, then blame David Pratt. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't blame me. There are some things in here that I want to pull out that I think are pertinent to why we have been so divisive right. over baptism. So he says, with specific regard to baptism, it is worth noting that the New Testament never describes baptism as something ordinary or natural. It never speaks of baptism as a mere symbol. The language of sacrament was sustained by Reformed churches uh, precisely because the New Testament ties baptism so closely to the bestowal of divine grace. For example, Paul spoke of baptism as the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit in Titus. He also wrote that through baptism, believers are united to Christ and die to sin in Romans 6. Peter, in turn, when asked what was required for salvation, replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2.38. Elsewhere, Peter boldly declared baptism, quote, now saves you, uh, not the renewal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's in 1 Peter 3. These and many other New Testament passages at least seem to indicate that baptism is much more than just a symbol. In the language of the Bible, spiritual realities such as rebirth, renewal, forgiveness, salvation, and union with Christ are intimately associated with the rite of baptism. The Westminster Confession of Faith 27.2 acknowledges this biblical evidence in sacramental terms. There is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or a sacramental union between the sign and the signified, whence it comes to pass that the names and effects of the one can be attributed to the other. A sacramental union exists between the sign and the thing signified. A mysterious union, a spiritual relation, exists between baptism and grace so that the names and effects which the scriptures use to speak of divine grace may also be attributed to the rite of baptism. 
And when the scriptures attribute the names and effects of God's saving mercy to the rite of baptism, they speak in all in a sort of theological shorthand, leaving the precise relationship mysterious or unexplained. Reformed theology concurs with scripture that there is more than meets the eye in the rite of baptism. Spiritual realities occur in conjunction with baptism, but the scriptures do not explain in detail how baptism and divine grace are connected. So, Reformed theology speaks of the connection as a sacramental or a mysterious union. It is in this sense that the Reformed theology rightly calls baptism a sacrament. Okay, so that's his quote. Okay. And so what I mainly wanted to pull out of this is what he says about this being like um, theological shorthand and that the relationship between these two things is so closely knit and tied that it isn't the baptism itself, the water only, and the act that does what grace did, but it's the, it's the one that reflects the other, and so they're used interchangeably many times, like an idiom in scriptures. And so um, we'll talk a little bit more about idioms, because I think that, that they're used, uh, it's a figure of speech. Sure. When something is idiomatic, it means you, you say one thing when you mean another. So, for example, if I say it's raining cats and dogs, I don't mean that there are literally cats and dogs falling from the sky. It's I'm using one term to reflect something right. Uh, something else. Well, it's a metaphor. <clears throat> right. And uh, so the, 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 the main thing I wanted to pull out of that was his, his uh, tying it to a mystery. That there's this mysterious union. There's something happening between the spirit, spiritual side of this and the fleshly side of it that we don't know all the picture or, because the scriptures is so vague and uses baptism right, in such absolutely. a in such a um, uh, an idiomatic way that we can't just divorce them and we can't just say, well, it's nothing but this. It's all it is is a is is a symbol. Um, but the other hand, you don't take it and go the other way and go, it is what does the, all the work. It is what, what fixes you. It is what, it is what washes you. It, it is what, cle- it, so there's, there's this mysterious middle ground there that uh, he's referring to. And a lot of that is tied into this word sacrament. And so what do you think of whenever we say sacrament? Well, I think of two specific things. Uh, and they're both, to me, they're picture, pictures and symbols. But you got to understand, I was I was raised in a in a different background. So whenever I think sacrament, I think that these are commands that that Christ taught us to observe, mm-hmm. um, and that the apostles observed, the early church fathers observed, and the two that I think of are the Lord's Supper and baptism. Right. Those two sacramental observances that basically connect us back to. Uh, a spiritual truth. So, right. for instance, uh, the Lord's Supper, when we take the Lord's Supper, that connects us to the idea that we are partakers of the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, when we're baptized, we are partakers of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right? And the death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Right. So that's the... That's what I think of when I think of the same. Yeah, and that's uh, I think you nailed it whenever you said it is a f- it is a physical thing that is representative of a spiritual thing, right? And which is in 
in layman terms, that is the definition of a sacrament. And uh, whenever, for me, I never really used the, the term sacrament growing up because to me it was always Catholic. Yeah. I always heard it in reference to Catholicism. Well, they have seven sacraments. Right. And, um, and, and so the Protestants still kept the term sacrament in defining it as it is a physical thing that signifies, it's a sign of a spiritual thing. Right. And that the relationship is closely connected. Right. That there's this knit thing that's happening. And so as a result of that, uh, I want to talk about um, what is referred to as, you know, David Pratt mentioned the um, the Westminster Confession. Yes. Which I'm not 100... 100- is it David Pratt or Platt? Are you talking about Platt? Platt, yeah, yeah sorry. No problem. Um, so, yeah, same guy that wrote Radical. Right. So... Now he he hails from a Presbyterian background, okay. Yeah. So this that's why he has this why he pulls out the Westminster Confession. Uh, that is the Presbyterian Confession. So I I don't agree with a hundred percent of the Westminster Confession. Well, most um, most uh, most Reformed people. David Platt's a Southern Baptist. He's not a. He's oh really? He's the he's actually the uh, the president of the Southern Baptist International Mission Board. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, but that's relatively new, though, right? Well, he he became that, but he's been he he went to Southern Baptist Seminary. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a Southern. I Baptist knew that he was a huge Reformed, but he's reformed Calvinism full blown. Yeah, most Southern Baptist Reformed people, most actual most Reformed. Uh, pastors hold to that Westminster Confession. That's their big deal. Yeah. They love that thing. Which is funny because, you know, and I know we're getting off into... Infant baptism? It, yeah, it's because... Pedal baptism? Because pedal baptism is all over the Westminster oh, Confession. Is. But they that's the one thing that they and, know. Uh, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> it, what's funny is that he, he was even really choosy in his quoting of be, it. Yeah. Because that same passage talks about even in infants. Right. <laughs> and he, so... So he, you know, but uh, but anyway, we're kind of getting off on a rabbit trail. Sorry, but uh, but the point I wanted to make was that one of the big things in the Westminster Confession is this concept of a sign and a seal, yes. and that and that baptism is a sign and a seal. And so, what I want to do is talk about that because I think that nails. Oh, that's yeah, that's what perfect. what baptism is. And so, let's start in Colossians two, okay? Because this is where a lot of this kind of comes from. Colossians two. And um, let's see, let's look at verse 11 and uh, 11 to 13. Do you have it there in front of you? I'm pulling it up. Uh, Let's see if there we are. All right, so verse... Chapter or chapter 2. Chapter 2, starting in verse 11. 11 to 13. Okay, uh, this is from the ESV. In him... Also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Okay, so there is this very close-knit thing that's happening here in this passage where he's talking about circumcision. Yeah. What? You know, wait a minute. 
isn't that a Jewish thing, right? That's really important, yeah. But yeah. he 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 is interlacing circumcision and baptism yes. here. And I think there's a reason why he does this. He does this because they're relatively the same type of thing. Yes. So so circumcision was in the Old Testament basically what what baptism is in the New Testament. And so he says here that you're now circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands, but you instead have been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised. And of course, then he says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, meaning you're actually Gentiles, right? God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses. So he, it's kind of poetic. Yes. How he's taken circumcision and blending it, the idea of circumcision with baptism. Well, and this isn't the first time he's really railed on circumcision, right? I mean, in fact, Galatians, which is his first book, he talks a lot about circumcision, right? And then you you go to Romans chapter four, and he talk he's talking about Abraham and how yeah. Abraham, uh, you know, it, the promise was fulfilled before he was circumcised, yeah, right. But circumcision was that sign right. given. So well, and, and I, you mentioned that. Uh, let me read Romans four verse eleven, okay. because that ties in directly with what we're talking about yeah. here. He says he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Yes, and the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness could be counted to them as well. Okay, so. But but there's a there's this phrasing here. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness. Yeah. So circumcision was a sign and a seal. So it was the sign was this uh, outward act that reflected something that was happening spiritually. Yes. Okay. So that was the sign part. But then there's also this seal thing happening where he was sealed in righteousness. And so this is, I think what David Platt was getting at whenever he said, it's more than a symbol because if it's just a symbol, it's just a sign. But what about the seal? Where's that fit in? So let's look at what it means to have a a sign and a seal. So um, we're going to use another metaphor uh, or an analogy. And that is of marriage. Okay. Uh, because the scriptures refer to us as the bride of Christ. I mean, marriage is all throughout as an allegory right. of Christianity. Uh, and even going back into the Old Testament and reading about the relationships that happened, there are perfect models for Christ and his bride. Yeah. So if we think of this relationship that we're coming into as a marriage, think about what we do in marriages. Okay, There are signs and there are seals yes. to... In, in our marriages. First off, let's, let's talk about the signs of marriage. So one, one sign that you do that's a physical thing that represents a spiritual thing is like your wedding ring. Yes. So when you put the wedding ring on, the, the ring represents eternity. It never ends. It has this, this outward um, sign. You're putting it on someone's finger, and then they walk around with it so that everyone sees... Right. There's the, there's this sign that ties you to this other person. And so everyone knows what it means. They go, "Oh, the that's the you've got a, a ring on your left uh ring finger." And guys were even like 
before they pick up a girl, whether the first place they look, they look, for, right. they look for the sign. <laughs> it's, it's that sign there. Yeah. So that's one sign. Another sign that we do in, in marriage is ceremonies. The vows. And vows. We got all these things we do in that are like, we say this, we do this, we walk down an aisle, we wear certain clothing. We do, there's all this, these, these things yeah. that are representing this relationship. Yeah. So for me, <clears throat> baptism, if you looked at it, this is the purely, this is what I've, I've taught in youth forever. Baptism, when you look at it, is, is your marriage vows, right? So you say these marriage vows, mm-hmm. and it's a one one time thing. This is where you you draw your line in the sand. This is it, right? right? Then the Lord's Supper is your ring. It continually reminds you as you continually gotcha. go, right? Yeah, that it reminds you of who you're married to or what you know. And they're both for me. They're both well. Both those both of those would be the signs of the sacrament, yes. not necessarily the seals of the okay. sacrament. Yeah. So, okay, so like, for example, here, you've got this sign thing and uh, that we do, all these things that we do that are outward are signifying something else. Spiritual, yeah. Now, if, if, uh, so here, we do nothing different than what Peter and company did idiomatically when you refer to the sign when you're talking about the signified thing. So, like, for example, if a guy comes up to me, he says, man, I love this girl so much, man. I just don't know what to do. Should I commit to her? Should I this, that, and other? And my answer, say my answer is, dude, you got to put a ring on it. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying uh, walk up to her and just out of nowhere, put a ring on her finger and walk (laughs) off? No. (laughs) What I'm saying is marry the girl. Right. Right? What I was meaning was do this the whole shebang, the commitment, the the spiritual side of it. Yes. But I was using the sign idiomatically in reference to it. Right. Okay. So you have the, and, and it's, it's the same way with, you know, you know, going to the chapel, yes. you know, we, there's songs, you know, I'm going to the chapel. Well, you're not just going to chapel. <laughs> right. There's something that's happening there that, and so we use that, as idiomatic, and that's just a sign of marriage. Sure. Uh, the flip side of this is there's also seals in marriage. So, for example, in, I guess, just about every state in the nation and federally, if if I just put a ring on a girl's finger and I say some vows or whatever, that's cool and all. But I can't call her my wife legally. Right. Right? Why? Because I gotta go get a marriage license. Right. And I have to and I have to let a notary seal this thing. Like put a stamp on it and make it a legally binding thing. So someone outside of our relationship is putting the seal on it. Sure. Okay, so this is different because this is not something that's necessarily in front of people and it's not necessarily whatever but it's something that's happening to bind you legally into it so a seal is like um if i brand a cow or something like that then that cow belongs to me right right and and so i have permanently 
branded that thing so that my sign is is on it. But what happened was ownership. Right. Okay. So I have 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 taken this and made it a permanent thing. So like a wedding certificate and that sort of thing is a seal of the marriage. And if you ever decide, hey, I want to get divorced in this deal, what do you have to do? Jump through some legal hoops. Yeah, you got to go get a lawyer and you got to go. Right. You got to break the seal. Right. It's not as simple as just taking the ring off your finger. Right. So, so there is this two-sided thing to it. And what's cool about what, what baptism is, is there's that the sign is our physical, what we do to signify what's happening. But on the other side, you have God branding you. This is closing the deal, more or less. And so this is why, um, and, and I, I don't take it to this level, but this is why the Presbyterians do feel okay with infant baptism because they see it as a seal and the circumcision thing, and they tie it all the way back to how circumcision was worked, yeah. handled. So, but if they've read Romans four correctly, right, right, then they understand that that's not the seal happens whenever you have faith in Jesus. That's when the seal happens, right? right. Yeah. So you know, anyways, yeah, but that whole, and that's the reason I don't hold a pedal baptism. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, so th- this is how baptism is like a sign and a seal, mm-hmm. in in that um, there is this union. Of of grace being tied to, and and part of this is because why? Because that's what you always did when you converted, right? Right. This is how you can use it idiomatically. Right. If not everybody put a ring on when they got married, then saying put a ring on it would mean nothing, right? But but especially in this first century time frame, there were no sinners' prayers. There were no mass conversions where people were raising their hand and repeating after right. somebody. And that's all. I mean, to me, that's just that's bogus stuff. I don't. I, I'm not. I don't buy into that at all. Sure. Uh, I was introduced with a guy by the name of Charles Finney back in the day, and it was this whole revival mentality. And he yeah. actually had this idea: save a little time, exactly, and well, some water. No, his his <laughs> goal was to mass convert. So he was thinking the best thing I can do is get all these people down to the front and make them. And he even he invented the invitation system. Yeah, the whole reason why we play soft music or sing a soft hymn at the end of the the service, right? Yeah, tug at the heart to and... tug at the heartstrings <laughs> and make you, you know, make that decision. Like you're buying a car. Yeah, like it's a sales a pitch. It's a sales pitch, and so you know that's well, it's sad, but so, that's what. So, but if if we just quit arguing about baptism and just do what we're told to do, it's commanded of us, right? And so that's why I want to get into. Why, for a minute? Uh, you know, w- there are all these promises and things that are either idiomatically or not tied to baptism mm-hmm. throughout the scripture. Uh, David Platt mentioned several of them in his in his little list. Um, there's a relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, according to Jesus's great commission in Matthew twenty eight twenty. Whenever he said, "Be baptized in." The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Right. So there's some sort of relationship happening there. There's an appeal for a clear conscience that he mentioned there in First Peter three. 
There's remission of sins mentioned in Acts 2.38. There's a reception of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2.38. There's uh, buried with Christ and raised with Him in Romans 6. There's new birth in Romans 6. There's put on this, the righteousness of Christ in Galatians 3. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 refers to it as, do you not know when you were baptized, you were added to the church, you were added to the body. So there's this... So you have like all these things that are uh, tied in this. And so depending on what group you're in, people will grab a hold of one of those right. and go, okay, well, it, it, remit, it remits sin. So th- therefore you have to be baptized for remission of sins or it doesn't count. Well, then you've got people over here in you know, another group that will say, well, that's when you receive the Holy Ghost is at baptism, and they'll use Acts 2.38 as well, but for a different reason, and go, that's when you receive it. And so that's the reason. And if you didn't get baptized for that reason, then you didn't get the Holy Ghost. And if you didn't get the Holy Ghost, then you aren't saved. And then there's other people out here that that will say, well, I got baptized just to be a member of the church, you know, or whatever. Well, right there in 1 Corinthians 12, you're added to the body. Right. And so so the thing is, which one of those is right? The answer is all of the above. All of the above, for crying out loud. Quit. These are promises. And, right. the, and the thing that, that I wanted to, to, to mention is that you don't obey promises. Right. You obey commands. And that is the main reason why we are baptized is we're commanded to do so. Yeah. There's a mysterious thing happening here that's not meant for us to... Well, and that's the thing that we, we've got to understand. This Playing off your sign and the seal thing, which is absolutely true. The sign is for us. The seal is all God's doing. Right. And so we've got to realize that this is God's work, mm-hmm. not our work. Right, right. This is not our thing. So we don't have to say some magic hobunkum words. Like I've heard some people go, well, are you baptized in the name of Jesus? Yeah. Because that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. And I'm going... Okay, well, I, I get where you're coming from, but that's that's not it. You're missing it. It's God's sealing work. Yeah, yeah. It's His job. It, well, it's the same thing with with. I've heard the same arguments made for uh, man. I've heard people like where people will stand around, like the elders of the church will come and stand over the baptism to make sure that every single part of that body went under the water. <laughs> Otherwise, it didn't count. It's like, why are we making up a bunch of rules right. around this? Because the word baptism, honestly, is a bad is not a real word. Baptizo is it, a, uh, it's a Greek, transliterated it's, word. Yeah, it's a Greek word we, we, we transliterated. Why they just didn't translate it Immersion, Immersion, because that's what baptizo means. And that actually brings a lot of... Because think about... Well, I'll get to more about being immersed in here in a minute. But but the main thing I wanted to look at right now is why are we baptized? We're baptized because we're commanded to. That's right. And if we're we're commanded to do it, why why would we not do it? Exactly. The refusal to do it signifies an unregenerated heart. Oh, yeah, completely, 100%. So, I mean, there was, it, it doesn't make any sense to, to do that. Instead of arguing about it and all this sort of thing, we should just look at the Scriptures and go, that's what they were doing. It's the first act of obedience to a regenerated heart. That's what you do. You mm-hmm. naturally get baptized. That's what you're called to do, and you go, okay, I'm following, and that's what I do. Yeah. And uh, so, so anyway, the, it, one of the, another things I think is kind of cool about why we should do it is because it's it serves a purpose that I, I think is kind of cool in First uh, Corinthians 
10. We had this thing going on with, um, with, ah, I went to the wrong chapter. Hang on a second. <laughs> first Corinthians 10. Um, in the first few verses there, it's talking about um, Moses and company. And it says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Um, I'm going to continue a little bit. And all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Okay, so the thing I wanted to pull out here is Paul's wording about passing through the sea. He says, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Okay, so let's think back to that story. Okay, so you've got all these children of Israel. They were enslaved in Egypt. And God comes from no work of their own, right? They didn't earn their freedom. They didn't fight for their freedom. God comes in and miraculously frees them. Right. Okay, so he, by his grace, frees them. Frees them. And so they, and of course you can go the whole sign and seal thing, given the blood on the lintel, and I mean there's all this oh, yeah. stuff that can tie into what right. we've been talking about. But what I want to talk about is how they, they left there, and they get to the sea, and there's no way around it, and they're about to be cornered by Pharaoh's army, and God has Moses stand up, and the sea divides. And they all walk through on dry land. And, and so he calls this baptism here. So they went down into the sea on dry land, came up out of the sea, and then, of course, the sea collapsed on all their pursuers. Right. So here they are on the other side of the sea, this huge physical, signifying, miraculous thing happened right before their eyes. It was a sign of their freedom. And their their um, their liberation. Yes. And it was God basically putting a seal on them because He will continue to remind them of this. Like He, like they'll go on and you, this didn't this didn't like fix all their problems. They had all kinds of problems after this. Right. But in fact, they had all kinds of messy problems right there at the foot of the Mount Sinai, and that was all after this. But continually, he says, who took you out of Egypt, mm. right? He keeps bringing them back to the sea. That's right. And, and reminding them about the sea. So it's like this anchor in their spiritual journey. So whenever they, there's, there is this conflict or, or doubt or anything like that, he, he, he says, look, connect you. This is where you connected with God and you saw it, you felt it, you... This is real, right? right? You felt this. You saw the water splashing into your face as God closed it in on the, on the Egyptians. And because we're tactile people, the baptism does the exact same thing for us. We we feel that water. We yeah. get this rush of emotion. We feel and I think everyone can think back to to when they were baptized and think about the exhilaration. Sure that occurred at, uh, at, at that moment. Um, 
there is a passage here. Uh, let's see. I always get these mixed up. Um, in the letters of the seven churches. Um, hang on a second. Is it Ephesus that he tells them? Yes. Okay, so he's talking to the church at Ephesus here, and he's like, you know, you did all this. Uh, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil and have tested who call themselves apostles and aren't and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Mm. So he's, okay, he tells them in other translations, you've left your first love. Yes. And so he's, he's basically, they had everything right, but they had everything wrong. And because uh, and, and, that's a huge thing to be told. Oh, yeah. That, you know, you, you, you've lost your love for me, basically. And, and uh, so listen to what he says there in verse 5. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Okay, so he's, he's basically saying, go back to your conversion, right? right? Think about that. Go, and, and this is actually a verse that can, can actually emphasize rededication baptism. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, go do the works you did at first, right? Go, do, go and rekindle this love that, that, passion, you, yeah. that you've lost. And so that's one of the reasons why I think that baptism is important is because it anchors us to this place where we can go back to, we can see where we were in our, yeah. in our walk and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so do, I do think that, that baptism can serve as a recommitment as much as it is just like you experienced when we, sure. when we talked about this. Uh, and Melanie, my, my wife, she rededicated herself Amen. again. And, uh, and so it's like throwing down another a- anchor or we were talking about marriage and marriage vows. It's renewing your vows. It's like renewing your vows. And, and how many times do you see that happen? Does that mean that you weren't married before? No, it doesn't mean that. But you, you, you have this, we have as humans, we feel flawed and we want this exactly what Revelation That's 2 right. tells us there. We want to go back. And rekindle this and restart in our own minds, even if we're good with God and and we've got all and he's got us in his in his hands, but we have a hard time sometimes getting our head around it. Right. So uh, the last thing I want to talk about was being immersed um, physically and and what it means to be immersed in something. So people, all kinds of people are immersed in things. We're immersed in all kinds of stuff. Right. And so we call this study. being immersed in the good news. Yes. Right? So what's it like to be immersed in news? Man, there are people that are are just like hooked on certain types of of news. Oh, but, right. Now the Hillary uh the Hillary Trump news, I mean, oh, people yeah, are immersed pe- in it. Yeah, and people are just like they're people people are just impassioned about it. Right. Uh, I think of things like the JFK assassination. Yeah. That when you have this mysterious thing around it and I know friends who are obsessive about the JFK assassination. They immerse themselves into the evidence and they're, they're pulling over videos and, and 
documents and yeah. all this stuff. And they've all got their theories about who really killed JFK and, and all this sort of thing. And it's like they're immersed in it. Sure. Um, and personally, one a piece of news I'm sort of immersed in is the Apollo moon missions. I've always been fascinated with the whole space race thing. And so I have spent tons of time reading and studying about it. I, I can tell you what every, as you can see here, oh, I've, yeah. I've got all these, I have a picture of every Apollo crew hanging on my office wall here. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you what every one of them's job was. I mean, what, wow. the, what the mission was. And so it's like, I've immersed myself yeah. in that. And not to mention the geek stuff that I've got around here. Sure. You know, I can t- tell you trivial things about, you know, movies that don't make a hill of beans and it th- <laughs> doesn't matter. But I've immersed myself sure. in it. And I, I'm sure you're the same way oh, yeah. on things. Ninja you've Im- Turtles. <laughs> and, and you've immersed yourself in Sooner Football, oh, right? Yeah, so, 100%. I mean, there's, we have all this stuff that we've immersed ourselves in. Sure. So, you know, what does it mean to, to, to be immersed? There's a, a cool thing that happens in John uh, chapter 13 when Jesus is getting ready to do the whole uh, Lord's Supper with them and, or the Passover. And uh, he's, he starts the whole deal by washing their feet to show right. them what it means to be a servant and, and this sort of thing. And, but I want to examine what happens to, to Peter. Yeah, and Peter's response. And Peter's response, as usual, wasn't right. I mean, Jesus corrects him and sure. says, no, 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 no. But I want to look at what his response is because he's a, his response is the very definition of immersion and what it means to be immersed. Sure. So it says uh, there in John 13, verse uh, 5, it says, He poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel uh, that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand, which I think that's kind of cool, too, because it kind of echoes back to this mysterious union type of thing. You don't really fully understand what I'm doing, but you will get it. But you'll you'll get it. Um, And so and Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. And, and, And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So in other words, of course, then Jesus says, no, 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 that's not needed because you've been cleansed other ways. Right. And, and, but, but what he's saying here, what I think is so cool is what he's saying is like, so if you're saying that you have to put water on me somehow for me to be a part of you, dude. Just dump, dump it all, it on me. dump it all over me because I want, I want so much of you. I want to be immersed in you. Right. And so I think that's a, a really cool concept when we think about, um, immersion. Um, and so when we get into these bickering arguments about baptism, I think we're forgetting the power of it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, you know, it's not, it's not a rule and regulation only, and over here, it's not an optional thing that, you know, take it or leave it. Instead, it's, it's something that has this immersive, contextual, um, tactile thing for us. So, for example, 
we talked about all these things around marriage and the sign and the seal and the wedding ring and the and the 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 vows and the the even going to the courthouse and getting the person to to stamp the certificate. Did you look at any of those things as just chores? And and like, oh gosh, I guess I'm gonna have to go up to the courthouse <laughs> or. Man, I can't wait till this wedding is over. This is such a waste of time. I mean, no, you don't look at any of it like that. It's like you want all of it. Right. Because you're so excited to marry oh, yeah. this woman that you want to do all of that because it all is part and and representative and signifying. And that journey to the courthouse is a cool thing, too, because it's like, yes, it's legal. It's worth there. And so there's every part of it. Right is like important to you. So it's the same way with baptism. That's why we that's why it's immersion. Because Amen. we're being immersed yes. in Jesus. We're being immersed in his death, burial, and resurrection. So so anyway, wow. that's that's kind of the study. How powerful is that though? And so yeah, I think it's it's high time that we look at baptism in the light in which it was given to us, instead of looking at it as you know, a source of, of division, a division and argument. Yeah. But Amen. so, you got some news for us, man? Oh man, I have an overload. Let's do it. Okay. And now the news. All right. Well, Christian, first up on the chopping block, Christian uh, author and uh, famous woman speaker, Jen Hatmaker. She's kind of like the big new Beth Moore. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, um, the name's familiar, but she's pretty pretty famous as far as like she has a bunch of like the next Beth Moore. Yeah, women of faith stuff. I don't know, but anyways, like what's going on in the other room over here? Yes, exactly. What's going on in the other room? But uh, I think that is Beth Moore going on in there. They've just pulled her books from Lifeway uh, because of her uh, her comments on they they somebody interviewed her on. Um, on the presidential race. Okay. And uh, she made comments about Trump, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But then she basically said that um, she affirms same-sex relationships. Okay. And so she affirmed same-sex marriage, and it just lit up everybody. Because she's been so mm-hmm. focused. All these women have been like, Jen Hatmaker's the greatest thing ever. So anyways, there's been this huge controversy this week over it. Uh, she just wrote a 650-word Facebook post Wow! Uh, on, on it, basically, where she says she wrestled with and through Scripture, not around it, before coming to the decision to affirm same-sex relationships. <laughs> which I would disagree with her on that just a little bit. Basically, she said in the interview that same-sex relationships can be God-honoring. Oh, wow. Which I there's no way you can get that in Scripture, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no. I mean, there are a lot of stances you can take on the whole... Uh, how you love them, how you right. accept them, but you cannot say that same-sex relationships are God-honoring because you could then say that Porn relationships are God honoring, mm. or you know what I mean, yeah. or extramarital relationships, or even the are things that we honestly do that don't we don't really fight or whatever. You know, exactly. My 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 personal idolatry is God honoring. Yes, <laughs> and that's that's the problem. Uh, and so there's there's been a lot of uproar about that. 
Um, so I don't know, man. It's a that's an interesting thing. My wife has been asking me question upon question about my stance on that. My my stance is, you know, uh, as much as I see where she's going, I can't go with her there because I see that she wants to love, yeah, the LGBT community, and I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But loving and then accept, uh, accepting and condoning. Uh, sin are two very different things. Right. And you can't condone the sin. You can't. That's not love. In fact, that's anti-love. That's something that's addressed, you know, that, that looks dressed up and looks like love, but it's yeah. not. So anyways, there's that whole thing going on. And if you have a comment on that or if you have an idea of, uh, you know, what what people should do about that situation, definitely. Uh, I honestly just think we make too big of a deal out of homosexuality. Yeah. Um, I think there are far worse sins yeah. that should be addressed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, while we're... I mean, I'm not saying it's not a sin. I'm just saying that there are plenty of sins that we do all the time that we don't seem to take a lot of issue with. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so uh day before yesterday uh, for King & Country came down to Houston and did a concert, and there were protesters at their concert um, <laughs> for King Country as a Christian, uh, a, a, a um, contemporary Christian band. You can hear them on Air One, every other song. And uh, <laughs> no offense. Actually, it was Lubbock, not Houston. And uh, I actually like them as far as oh, CCM man. goes. I'm, I'm not a big CCM guy. Musically, they're really but I, But I like them. I like, the, I like the drum stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, they're a little unique. and right. So, anyways, there from was Australia, right? Yeah, there was this big protest. Uh, I guess people were protesting their music uh, because it was devil music or whatever. Really? Which still happens. So these are today. Christians. Yeah, that were coming out. Oh wow. Well, I mean, that's been happening forever. People yeah. used to protest the Newsboys and you know all Christian rock. All they had to do is listen to the lyrics. That's all they had to do. But they it's don't a new get that thing because because rock and roll is the devil's music, right? So, right, anyways, right. they're protesting. So King for King Country, the lead singers came out and invited them into the concert and gave them front row tickets or whatever and, and let them experience the freaking country concert. Wow. And I just think that's a really neat example of a way to be. Yeah, I people. wonder how the protesters I don't know, responded. but I guess they went in, so that's that's a huge I think that's a win. Yeah. You know, maybe they it opened up their minds a little bit to think, okay, music maybe isn't the enemy. I can imagine them protesting a lot of Christian rock. Oh yeah. But CCM? Yeah. I mean if you're going to choose to protest one, <laughs> it seems to me like there could be a lot uh, more. For today. Or, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. They they would have an issue with that. Yeah. It's <laughs> hilarious. Or Demon Hunter or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, ISIS just executed more than 200 people in Iraq. Uh, the UN reports that ISIS killed at least 232 people on Wednesday alone, in addition to using thousands of people's human shields to defend themselves against the Iraqi militia. According to UN Human Rights spokesman, person, spokesman, ISIS claimed to be punishing people who defied their orders. ISIS executed, e- executed 42 civilians in Haman uh, al-Alal, uh, south of Mosul, According uh, also on Wednesday, ISIS executed 190 former Iraqi security forces for refusing to join them. So it's still going on. It's still a war. It's still a battle, and it's still crazy. So be praying for the people who are in the wake of 
the whole ISIS terrorist front and extreme Muslim yep. persecution. It's nuts. FBI just announced it's reopening its investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. Yeah, I heard this that. This comes short seven days before, before the, the election. election. And, uh, you know... Uh, and in the middle of uh, early voting. Right. So the Republican side's going, good for you, way to go FBI, and be in, you know, have yeah. integrity. And and then the others, the Democratic side's it's going... It's rigged! Yeah, this it's, is totally a, yeah. a, a ploy. Um, but basically what had happened is... Um, uh, FBI Director James Cumley told the Justice Department that he did not recommend bringing charges against former Secretary of State regarding the use of prim- primary email service in connection to her position at the State Department. He sent uh, a letter basically saying that investigators, while searching, um, what's the name of that? I, I don't have his name here. But in the middle of doing another investigation, they came across another private server full of her emails. <laughs> and so now they're going to have to reopen and search all is those it, emails. What is this? Yes, what is that? Oh, shave, mm. shave, shave. So anyways, so she obviously forgot to delete those ones. Uh, <laughs> which is going to bring a whole other... Um, <laughs> A whole other slew, but uh, she's, she's probably getting her kids to help her figure out how to delete those things. Yeah, have you heard all the memes? Like my favorite one is the picture of her, and it says Hillary Clinton will be the next F president. It says, if you're wondering where the email was, she deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> so zing. <laughs> anyway, you know, see, the best defense that she could have is like, I'm old and I don't know how to use a computer. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Don't blame me. I just I, I just clicked think. because it got hung. Right. <laughs> I was just clicking. I don't know what I was clicking on. You want some funny news? Taco Bell is now putting Kit Kat bars inside quesadillas. <laughs> what? Fast food chain Taco Bell, the company that has tried to brand an entirely new meal consisting of Mexican food to be eaten in the middle of the night, is once again proving they care very little about social norms or basic nutrition. <laughs> British locations of the fast food chain <laughs> have been experimenting with something called the Kit Kat Chocodilla. It's extru- exactly what it sounds like, a toasted tortilla stuffed with candy. There's no word yet if or when the strange creation will come to America, and that's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a relevant magazine. That cracks me up. The Kit Kat Chocodilla. <laughs> yeah, I'd like a Kit Kat Chocodilla and uh, proof yeah, give that I've given up on life. King size Mountain Dew to go with. <laughs> <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> yeah, give me a side of diabetes. All what? right, so I got some Pope news for you. Brothers and sisters, come together. All right, so this is a little late, but the Pope Francis took part in the commemorations marking the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Oh. He actually went uh, to Sweden and met with the Lutheran leaders uh-huh. in the Lutheran uh, Cathedral in Lund. And then he, it is the first visit in 25 years of the Pope. Um, but it's the first time that he's made a connection and said uh, that Martin Luther was a almost a saint, that he was a great man, and he was making rep- reforms in the church. Wow. And we should have listened to him. It's a 
big. I mean, that's a that, big that deal. Huge, yeah. That's a you know what is this? Uh, Four hundred ninety nine years after the Reformation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and just now, I mean, so congratulations, wow. Pope. Thank you for you know, making those um, restitutions. It, but you know, I've seen some th- some things like that all through throughout. Like um, you know, um, one of our listeners, uh, Michelle. Yes. Uh, she put me in touch with a uh, with a priest down in Dallas that I went and visited with one time, and we started talking about the whole Reformation and stuff. And I was expressing my Protestantism, and <laughs> sure, of course, you <laughs> I wasn't threatening to like nail anything to his church door or anything like that. <laughs> we were just talking. Sure. But anyway, he made the statement. He was like, "It's funny that we treated him so horrible and excommunicated him and all this, and now." He's like, all my peers support everything he taught. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was huge for me. I was like, I didn't know that that was even a thing. Yeah. They, I mean, the Pope signed a uh, declaration with the Lutheran leaders, uh, basically saying that we will support each other in the Eucharist, that we will actually take communion together, that we will break bread together, and we are part of the same church, basically. Which is pretty amazing that that's... I mean, this is a huge rift. I mean, this caused the Protestant Reformation. Uh, this is what the Pope said in NPR, an interview with NPR. He said, uh, the church was not was not a role model. There was corruption. There was worldliness. There was greed and lust for power. He, he protested, he being Martin Luther, protested against this, and he was an intelligent man. I mean, that's just... That blows my mind, my ever-loving mind. So anyways, <laughs> good job, Pope. We like you because of that. Um, and then I have even more Pope news. Uh, pope Francis uh, basically said that the Catholic Church's ban on women ordination will continue. On his way back from the commemoration of the Protestant Reformation. He slapped a nun. Yeah, he slapped no, a nun. Just, he slapped no, a, except for the women. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> pope Francis responded to a journalist's question about the Roman Catholic Church's stance on banning women from the priesthood. The writer asked him, is it realistic to think that there might be women priests in the next few decades? And the Pope responded by mentioning Pope John Paul II's letter in 94 that outlawed women being ordained. The pontiff said, On the ordination of women in the Catholic Church, the last word is clear. It was given by John Paul II, and this remains. So in other words, we ain't changing that stance. Yeah. No women in the, in the, uh, in the priesthood. So anyways. And then uh, on this day in church history... I'm ready for some more Doctor Who, by the way. Yeah, me too. Okay. Not really, actually. I don't <laughs> care about that. Uh, okay, so I could go with uh, Reformation Day, which was yesterday. Yeah. And a lot of you probably thought I was, which uh, I will throw dun, dun, this out to you. Uh, yes, it, of course, Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis 499 years ago yesterday to the church in Wittenberg, the door mm-hmm, of the Wittenberg, the church. and started a revolution. But before that... Uh, is All Saints Day. And the reason I'm going with All Saints Day, it's today, right? Uh, which is November 1st. But also, a lot of people don't understand All Saints Day. They All Hallows' Eve, right? We, we get All Hallows' Eve, uh, which is the night before All Saints Day. Yeah. Which is funny because the name, Hallows' Eve, has nothing to do with witches and warlocks and et cetera, et cetera. It has to do with this. Yeah, venerating... The saints. But what it means by, when I say venerating the saints, what I mean is they actually held a vigil on the night before... I thought you were going to say worshiping or something. All Saints Day. No, a vigil. And All Saints Day was 
set apart for all of the Christians who died during the persecution of the church under Rome. Yeah. That was the whole point. And so all these, there there were so many that were persecuted that they couldn't have a, a day for all of them. Yeah. So they lumped them all together and they called it All Saints Day. Um, and this was back in 610, 607. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, a long time ago. Uh, and then, uh, so that's, so, you know, there are a lot of evil parts of Halloween. Yeah. The yeah. Druids and all that stuff. Um, which was the night before, but all All Hallows Eve basically means the night where they venerate. So the night before, they would have a vigil for these uh, people who gave their lives yeah. as a testament dead to saints. Christ, the dead saints. So now you know the rest of the story on that, and so maybe you won't say, "Oh, All Hallows Eve is evil." Actually, it was pretty good good idea to begin mm. with. So, anyways, that's a. Uh, that's all I got. I went fast and furious for you. Oh, cool. Well, you know, we haven't uh, done trivia in a while. Do you want to do something? Hey, bring it on. All right. Theo Trivia. Welcome once again to <laughs> the long lost trivia. <laughs> Of the Theodots. Of the Theodots. We, we haven't done this in a while. Do you know where we're at? No, it seems like every time we do this, we don't know where we're at, so, so we, we start always start over. over. So why don't we start right in the middle? All right, names? Sure. Is that what the? Is that what's in the middle? Yeah, I have names. Okay, I always do this whenever I have my wrong glasses on and I have to hold it out a mile away. Sure, because you're old. Anyways. Yeah. All right. You know, ageism. Sorry. You know, this happens on Finding Christ in Cinema all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel so sorry for... Old Michael, Michael over there. Well, I mean, he's so old. Stop being old. He's older than me. Stop being old. Yeah. That's all you got to do, dude. Quit it. Wow. Anyways, okay. <laughs> all right, name. Well, all I can say is I'm younger than Michael. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as he holds his cards <laughs> twenty miles away. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. Name the yeah. most. <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. All right. Name the most famous son of Jacobed. Hmm. The most famous son. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a, a limb here, and I'm gonna say, Aaron. No, Moses. It's Moses. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, Moses. I can't believe. It. Oops, I meant this. Yes. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's that's subjective, really. Yeah, it kind of is. Well, I mean, but Moses is pretty famous. But Aaron was the first priest. Yeah, but Moses <laughs> led them out of Egypt. <laughs> he was the prince of Egypt. I got you. Does, okay, do you have a movie called Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was in the Ten Commandments, too. He was. As a supporting <laughs> yeah, actor. As a supporting actor. <laughs> right. Okay, here's yours. From whom was David fleeing when on the Mount of Olives? Ugh. 
David's always fleeing. He is, and there's a couple a couple that I'm thinking of. Yeah, think later. Okay, so um, that's not Saul. It's uh, his son, um, um, the one after Solomon. Um, oh my goodness, why can't I remember him? Re- caused a revolt. Yes, my son. Had all his concubines up on the roof. Yeah. Gosh, why can't I remember his name? Absalom. Yes. He was. Nailed it. Absalom, my son. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. a sad story. It is very sad. Okay, letters, numbers, and sequences. I'll take that for 200. How old was Abraham when he was circumcised? <laughs> How old was he? That's not something I've just like committed to memory. That would have been before he left. Err, let me see. Was it? I'm gonna say. Um, I don't know. I'm just guessing at this point. Seventy. No. Eighty. No. Eighty-five. No. Ninety. Really? No. What? How old was he? Ninety-nine. Nine. He what? was ninety-nine he was years like... old. Okay. Genesis seventeen. See, because I was thinking he was like that old whenever Isaac was Isaac born. born. No. I guess he was older than Sarah was like ninety-eight, wasn't she? But he was like one hundred and sixteen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then after Sarah dies, he has another. Dude, wife did babies. you not feel awkward? <laughs> <laughs> <In the service? laughs> When we looked around and found the oldest lady in the room, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. You get what I'm saying. Oh, that was awkward. Oh, oh that's the inside joke. Oh, that was awkward. <laughs> Anyways, all right. <laughs> Just a little fun from the way. Yeah. We had some fun. We did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Uh, Letters, numbers, and sequences. Is that where we're on? Yeah. Okay, within 50 years, how long... Within 50 years, how long were the Israelites under the rule of the judges? Does it want want me to guesstimate within 50 years of accuracy? Yes. (laughs) So you've got it. You you got 100 years you can guess. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even want to do that's, this. Hey, that's a lot of grace they're giving you here. 200 years. Oh, so close. 150 years? No, higher. 300 years. That would have nailed it. 350? It was between, if you, it was, I guess it would have been 300 years. You probably hit it round the head because it says that the correct answer would be anywhere between 250 and 300. 380. Yeah. RBC. So. Wow. So anyway. All right. Cool. Let's, are, we, are we done? Uh, yeah. Well, do you have outro? Oh, I got it. I do. I got it right here. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, we're done. We're good this time. Let's get it I out of here. I'll pull mine up here. Oh, I'll wait. Okay. The Theonauts, the Theonauts are part oh, of the... I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you go you, ahead. Why don't we just do it in, all in unison? <laughs> <laughs> the Theonauts! <laughs> okay. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. 
Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because it helps us to reach a larger audience. Yes! And there are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Haven't got any in a while. We need to hear from you people. Yes, we do. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us and want more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTnetwork.com.